Welcome to God With Us with Pastor Daniel Hahn of the Pittsburgh Tri-Parish Lutheran Churches. It is indeed a great blessing to have you here with us today as we continue to share the exciting truths that are all alive in the Word of God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In today's message, we consider how God would have us give glory to Him in the bodies that He has given us. Let us join Pastor Han as we share God with us. Please pray with me. Dear Son of God, in great love for us, you took on a human nature to become our Savior. Help us, we pray, in the weakness of our mortal flesh to serve and glorify you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and strengthen us by your word. This we pray in your holy name. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. I begin with a warning. I'm going to be talking about sexuality today. Not in some inappropriate way, but in a biblical way, because that's what our reading from 1 Corinthians is doing. And it's important that we do that sometimes, because if the church never talks about sexuality, then the devil is the only one out there who is talking about it. Let's begin. Dear friends, grace and peace be with you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. What's a body for? There you sit in that carcass of yours, skin and muscle, blood and bone, and what's that body for? I'm not asking what can your body do, that's kind of a biology question. I'm asking what is it for? What is its purpose? I realize no one probably has ever asked that question of you before. But it is a question that we're answering all the time. 
by our decisions and behaviors and beliefs. Every day, we give ourselves, including our bodies, over to certain endeavors and activities that, for good or ill, supply an answer. This is what my body is for. In our reading from 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is addressing some pretty outrageous behavior that is going on in that city, even among the Christians. There appears to be a case in the congregation of a man sleeping with his own stepmother. There is in the city copious opportunity to sleep with temple prostitutes, both male and female. They are as readily available as internet pornography is to us. And it's not just that these things are going on. There's the cavalier attitude about it. Again, even in the church, the attitude is anything goes. It's all good. As our text begins, Paul's, Paul appears to be reciting a letter or perhaps a report that has reached him about the situation in Corinth. He writes, all things are lawful for me. Paul's not saying that himself. He's quoting the kind of thing that they are saying in Corinth. All things are lawful for me, which is another way of saying anything goes. They're arguing that Jesus Christ set us free from the law. Therefore, nothing is off limits. We can do whatever we want. That game of using our freedom in Christ as a license to sin was perhaps invented in Corinth, but it has been readily adopted in many other places. In the introduction to his small catechism, Martin Luther complains about the German Christians who had only recently heard the gospel. He bemoans the fact that even though they could not name the Ten Commandments or recite the Apostles' Creed, they had become experts in abusing Christian freedom. And certainly, lax standards, wink-wink, nod-nod approaches, and the hope for cheap grace is no stranger in our time. All things are lawful for me, but, Paul writes, not all things are helpful, which is to say it's not all good. What you imagine is harmless is actually not harmless. He repeats their mantra again, all things are lawful for me, but, he says this time, I will not be enslaved by anything. All too often what people take for freedom is in fact a form of slavery. Those things we accept so casually and give ourselves over to so freely come to rule over us and finally to ruin us. Don't submit yourselves to slavery, to earthly desires. That's not what your body is for. But they have another argument. Paul has just jettisoned their theological argument, this idea that somehow in Christ they have a free pass to be godless. But their next argument is practical, common sense stuff. And it goes like this. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. They're saying that food is not morally good or morally bad, it's just food. You get hungry and you eat food 
and you're not hungry anymore. No harm, no foul, just a biological requirement. And you can see where their argument is going. Because of course we have other appetites beyond those of the stomach. Why can't we just satisfy those hungers as well? Without raising the specter of ethical concern. It's just biology. Food is meant for the stomach. And the stomach for food. And, and I think this is their argument continuing, and God will destroy both one and the other by which they meant to say the body is disposable. It's just a sleeve. It serves for a time, and then God will cast it away like so much garbage when we're done using it. Food itself lasts only so long, and then is thrown away, and so also the body that is nurtured by that food. That's what they're saying. Later on, that kind of thinking is going to be called Gnosticism. This idea that the spiritual is forever and good, while the physical is only temporary, making it either bad or at least neutral. Our American society is very Gnostic. How many people have you met who said, I'm very spiritual, and yet there they are in a body. Are they not also very physical? We tend to highlight feelings and ethereal things and the spiritual even far above the dignity and reality of our created human body as if the physical was somehow divorced from the spiritual. And of course, in our society, so many struggle with terrible discomfort and even loathing about the bodies that God has given them. The Bible teaches that God made us to be both body and soul beings. Those two aspects of our humanity are inseparable. At death, the body and spirit are ripped apart, but that's not God's ultimate plan. God's ultimate plan is the reunification of body and soul. The restoration of our full humanity when our bodies are raised and glorified on the day when Jesus comes again. Even as Christ himself was bodily raised on Easter morning. Paul reminds the Corinthians and us of that thing saying, God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Bodies are not evil, neither are they morally neutral. They are a part of God's good creation. As it is written, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And in another psalm, Lord, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Our bodies are not disposable, and what we do with our bodies is not inconsequential. It matters. What's a body for? The folks in Corinth and many in America would answer, my body is for my pleasure or my body is for me to do with whatever I wish. But to those attuned to the word of God and joined to the purpose of God in Christ Jesus, that is not the answer. What's a body for? 
The apostle tells us the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. What's a body for? It's for the Lord. That's the answer, dear Christian. What's your body for? It's for God. It's an instrument created and sustained by him by which you are to serve and glorify him. When you ponder the question, what was I made for? Why do I exist? That's the answer. You were made for God, for his purposes, and not your own. And not only is the body for the Lord, as our scripture teaches, but it says the Lord is for the body. What does that mean? The Lord is for the body. This could be a reference perhaps to the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, a reminder that our God himself took on a human body and dwelt among us as one of us. But I think the main emphasis of these words is made clear a little bit later on. It is that your body is a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. When it says the Lord is for the body, it is that your body is a holy vessel set aside for the Holy One, a temple for the Lord. The text goes on to say, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? That is, your body is a part of his body, and indeed we're all together called the body of Christ. And that which we join our body to, we join Christ to. Paul then goes on to address the issue of prostitution in particular, which was pandemic in Corinth. And again, we might well translate that into warnings about prostituting our own eyeballs in the taking in of images we ought not to see. We might relate it to any kind of sexual sin that is outside the will of God for us. And in an astounding assertion, our scripture goes on to say, he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her, for as it is written, the two will become one flesh. That's the language of holy marriage from the book of Genesis, the two becoming one flesh. And the teaching here that is that there is nothing casual about these encounters that are going on in Corinth. They have profound implications. They are actually resulting in a perverted form of marriage, a mockery of God's purpose and design. Flee from sexual immorality, it says. Don't walk away, run away. And the Greek implies ongoing action. Keep on fleeing from sexual immorality. If you stop to rest, it might catch up with you. Dear Christian, do not unite yourself to sin. Unite yourself to Christ. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. I asked before, what's a body for? It is to glorify God. But here's another question. What's a body worth? If these bodies of ours are not disposable sleeves, but in fact, 
creations of God and dwelling places of the Holy Spirit and are to be raised in glory, then what are they worth? Answer, the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, paid out his own lifeblood for you. You were bought with a price. And what a price it was. God's own blood pouring down the wood beams of Calvary's cross to cleanse you from all sin and win you for God. The death that Jesus died in love for you, the blood that he shed for you, did not just redeem your soul from sin, but your body also. From head to toe, from first to last, Christ has redeemed you that your soul might know the joys that he has prepared for those who love him, and that your body might be made holy like unto his body, and finally be raised to glory with him. Here is powerful hope for all who have sinned, for all whose conscience is wounded by their past. Jesus Christ shed his blood for you. There is no one whose sins of soul or body are so great that the blood of Christ has not paid the price in full. Whatever your past might be, Jesus Christ gives you a future and he loves you. He sanctifies and renews you. As it is written, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And if these promises of God's own forgiveness were not enough, Christ seals that promise to us in the holy sacrament of his true body and blood. Here the holy body of Christ is placed on our sinful lips with the promise of sin, of sin forgiven and the power to make us whole. You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. In our other scripture readings today, we heard the account of Samuel from the Old Testament, who was called as a boy to serve the Lord. And in our gospel reading, we heard how Jesus called both Philip and Nathaniel to follow him. On the surface, those accounts don't appear to have much to do with our scripture from 1 Corinthians, but they do. Those men, Samuel, Philip, and Nathaniel, each show how to glorify God in the body. Such glorification of God is not just about being sexually pure and fleeing immorality it includes the giving up of the whole self to Christ, the lending of our strength and our gifts, the power of our muscles and of our minds to serve him who first served and saved us. Samuel's calling involved a long lifetime of sometimes difficult service to God. He served God's people faithfully even when he was bent low with old age and arthritis and yet still gave the strength of his body willingly even to the last breath. 
Philip and Nathanael glorified God in their bodies in another way. They suffered death for the sake of their faith in Christ. They refused to renounce him, and so Philip was crucified and Nathanael skinned alive. Following Jesus, who gave himself to the uttermost for them, they surrendered their bodies and lives to God, trusting that he had the power both to raise and to glorify them. You, dear Christian, were bought with a price. Body and soul, you are the Lord's and you are precious to him. Jesus, who glorified his God and Father in his body, has sanctified you to be his own now and forever. That by his grace and by the indwelling of his spirit, you may also live to the glory of God. I leave you with the blessing of God spoken through St. Paul to the saints at Thessalonica. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today on God With Us. Our speaker is Pastor Daniel Hahn of the Pittsburgh Tri-Parish. This program is brought to you by your friends and neighbors of the Tri-Parish Lutheran Churches of Pittsburgh and this radio station. We invite you to join us for Sunday worship at one of the congregations of the Pittsburgh Tri-Parish. And remember, all are welcome. St. John Lutheran's Church in Millvale with worship at 9 a.m. on Sundays. Bethel Lutheran Church in Glenshaw with worship at 10.15 a.m. Sunday mornings. And Zion Lutheran Church in Lawrenceville with worship at 11.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find St. John's and Bethel on Facebook or on the web at www.stjohnsmillvale.org and www.bethelglenshaw.org. Until next time, may our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with us, always be with you.